This is the Business Stuff Podcast. This is where I will share the lessons I've learned from advising thousands of businesses over almost 30 years. Each episode will give you practical insight to allow you to learn from other people's mistakes. I'll be pulling in experts from our team and the world of business, and together we'll make sure your business is giving you what you want. My name is Martin, and this is the Business Stuff Podcast. Hi, it's Marty from the Accelerator Team, and I'm here with Jack Spur again from the Accelerator Team. Hi, Jack, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Martin. You all right? Oh, I'm really good. Um, and as we come to the end of 2022, we start thinking about 2023, we thought we'll just pull together an episode of our favourite bits, favourite parts, takeaway moments. Yeah, there's been, I mean, first of all, there's been some phenomenal guests on, haven't there? Yeah, no. I'm not putting what? myself in that camp, don't worry. Yeah, yes, yeah, so, <laughs> sorry, so every, every, like every one in four is a decent show. <laughs> and, then, and then we run out of people. Then you ask me to turn up, basically. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's that's. Well, I've got you in my list there, Jack. Is it is it is an honourable oh, mention? I assumed I assumed not, all of them would be not as there. not as one of my favourites, admittedly. But is it? We're joking. Then this is just going to be nineteen hours of me talking, basically, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> as everyone switches off now. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So every episode with Jack in was my favourite, of course. But in the, in, the, in the spirit of keeping this fair for all guests who make the time to come in I think we should include some of their contributions as well definitely um so I think I've got more than you Jack which is well, more we agreed then. but yeah so so I'll just jump in with my first one if that's all right yeah um so this one was episode 34 and the way we're going to do it is we'll just say what we liked about it and then we're going to play a part of the clip of the full the full interview um a part of the full interview the link will be below to go and watch the full episodes as well um Episode 34 was Craig Smith from Big Picture People. And he talked about how it was important to have what, what, what he introduces as the six questions that your team need to be able to answer to know if you've got an engaged team who are all working in the same direction, the same, same way. And, and, and he talks about how everyone's got these dashboards where you've got you know, these little tickers of whether you hit a certain thing or not. But it's not just about that, it's about things like clarity on what people are doing there and five other things which you can watch by 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 mm-hmm. sticking around and I'll show you but it talks as well about um a fantastic little story whether it's true or not who knows but it's, it's been told enough don't let like the it. truth get in the way of that yeah but, but it's almost became true it's, it's one of those things that's been told so many times that it mm-hmm. must be true about um, one of the US presidents was walking around NASA and he saw some guy sweeping the floor and said, what do you do, what, what do, you do here? And he said, oh, I'm you know, helping to put a man on the moon. And it like, mm-hmm. summarises the point that everyone at every level, from you know, the director of the, the, the NASA right the way through all of the engineers, Jet Propulsion Labs, all of those people all knew exactly what they were doing, why they were there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty powerful thing if you can get that. So this is Craig Smith from The Big Picture People on the six questions that all of your employees should be able to answer. What are we aiming for? So, you know, do people in your organisation have clarity about what that end point is that we're aiming for? How will we do it? Which is around your strategy, but also, you know, how our values and how yeah, we're yeah. going to get there. Um, uh, I've got to make sure I know my own questions now. Um, you can just paraphrase. I will, I will, yeah, 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 yeah. What's my role in delivering that is really important. Right, so, yeah. so, you know, do I do? Can I understand what you expect from me, both in terms of my my is my job description, if you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. even if it's not a formal job description, but my, I'm clear about how my tasks relate to that bigger purpose. But also, do I know how you expect me to behave as well? Yeah, yeah, so, you yeah. know, is there alignment yeah. there? 
um, how are we doing? Which is, you know, is there a kind of set of measures that mean something to me um, and that, that, that relate to my, you know, and that motivate me? I've worked in lots of organisations where, you know, what, you know, they'll say what's underwise profitability and they'll say, yeah, but I, I, I don't work in, I don't work, you know, I work in a department that contributes to profitability, where you'd argue, well, you know, I don't even know how profitable every, we are. Exactly. And I, and I could do my job really badly and we still make as much money. So how does yeah. that relate? So people need to feel a bit of a connection with the way we're, we, you know, what we're, what we're if, talking if about. Just, just to break out then, is that, mm -hmm. do, do you find a lot of businesses measure the wrong things then? It's not whether they measure the wrong things, they tend to measure too, they, they, you know, I always use the, this is an analogy I often use, is that, you know, the, the, the whole balanced scorecard thing, the, 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 the KPIs, is you should really know, I'm not, not, you can't really have more than five to eight KPIs, because in any, you know, our brains can usually only have about seven things in, in, as yeah. priorities at any one time anyway. Is that so, why there's six questions? It's kind of, yeah. Uh, um, but uh, I use the analogy of a dashboard. So if you look at your dashboard on your car, you've got two big dials and a, and a few warning lights, you know, that are really critical. They'll tell you when you're going to run out of fuel, when you're going too fast, when your engine's going to conk out, whether your, tire, you know, whether your brakes are, uh, aren't working or whatever. And often what we do when in an organisation, we give them the Haynes manual and then, you know, they're, they're kind of like leafing through the pages trying to find the right page. Well, what yeah. does that mean? Or how, you know, that's making that noise. So I think what we need to do is sort of really drill and that's hard to do because again we run the risk of then over summarizing things to the point where they become actually yeah. I don't have any influence on that so there is a, there is a, but I think it's not okay I think we do measure the wrong things sometimes but we we fail to help people see how they all contribute to the connection to it yeah yeah so I don't you know it's the old so it's like people in a boat rowing but they don't know where they're going but partly that but it's you know you so how would they know if they're off track or on track you'll be familiar with the old kind of so it's the old old NASA analogy which which you know the old, whether it's true or not it's apocryphal but the, President Kennedy looking around the, the Space Center, bumps into a janitor, hey, what are you doing? You know, obviously sweeping the floor, well, I'm putting a man on the moon. And it's like, that is kind of, it, wouldn't it be great yeah, if we all had that line of sight? It's a nice stretch, but yeah, but, but, but like, they're doing his little part of it, he's yeah. making it all happen. And, and I think we all, we all, you know, it's a basic human need, which is kind of one of my why I do what I do, a basic human need that we all kind of, feel as though we're doing something bigger than we can just do on our own when we're making a bigger contribution to the world our team our organization than just turning the wheel or yeah, you know whatever that was craig so drac over to you lovely yeah so my first one was episode 14 uh entitled inflation and that was with nick wilson um and it's just a really well it's a very topical topic at the moment and it remains still, as, to as still, topical yeah. as it was when we talked about it back then uh, and, and what Nick's talking about is essentially just the very basics, because I think a lot of people don't understand the basis of inflation, like what essentially is it? Uh, and just, just as a result, you just, just some really clear and concise explanation of yeah. there's different types of inflation, which people are like, how does that work? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and as I said, like it's, it ties in so much of what I think is going to be happening next year in terms of pricing is going to be key for a lot of people, because there's this idea that inflation exists, but... Are people's price is people are people's prices fit for purpose? And from a lot of evidence that I've experienced, kind of chatting to business owners, is that they don't really know. <laughs> the answer is like they're worried about increasing costs, but mm -hmm. they haven't got any further than worrying about increasing yeah, and costs. The, and, yeah. and the answer and it kind of answers a more kind of dangerous question: where was their pricing ever right? In reality, a lot of pricing is just kind of done like on the 
finger in the air kind of job and kind of go well hopefully I'm going to be profitable hopefully I'm going to make enough margin to then absorb my overheads to then go I'm going to have some profit and maybe take some money out at the end of the year. So so many people might only make say 10% of turnover as their their profit Mm -hmm. and if you know the cost of materials on the thing you do is 50% of turnover and that goes up by 10% that's eliminating half of your profit. So mm-hmm. 10% is a 50% reduction in profit. And people just don't, yeah, so you've really got to get to the bottom of this. One thing I like about this episode, which um, if, I can, if I can chuck my own two penny well, in. Of course, um, yeah. Is James and I, producer James, were at um, an event and there was an estate agent who came up to us. He said, oh, loving the podcast in particular. I sent the link to your inflation one to my, I think it was his brother-in-law, brother James, I can't remember, something like that who's a teacher in a school, and I've said, you've got to show this to all your kids at the school. It's mm-hmm. the best example, the best description of what inflation is that I've ever heard, so. Yeah, yeah. that's something to do with how childlike Nick is, that he can explain it like Possibly to children. Possibly explain it at a children's level, <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyway, this is uh, Nick Wilson from episode... 14. Episode 14. So Nick, what is inflation? Inflation, it's a way of measuring the decrease in value of money. A lot of people say it every year in the news. It's everywhere you look, isn't it? Inflation's this, inflation's that. But what does it actually mean? How is it measured? So this is the fact that things cost more money. Something that was a pound last year might be a pound and ten pence this this year. Yeah, that's the way it looks. But it's not that things cost more. It's that your money is worth less. Money's worth less, yeah. Yeah. All right then. So... What, what affects inflation then? Why, why do we have inflation? Why can't we all just agree that we won't put any prices up ever again? Could you imagine? What a world. <laughs> uh, so there's a few different things. I mean, you can categorise it in three areas. You've got demand push. So demand push, right? Let's have a look outside. And you've got all the, all the fences blown over. This time last year, a fence post might have been a fiver. Now you're looking at 15 to 20 pound because 80% of people's fences have fell down. All so of a sudden there's an excess demand. Supply and demand. Yeah. Prices go up. And it's normally caused because there's that much of a demand for the goods that there's a shortage of them. So people are paying more to get their hands on what they can. It's a bit like Willy Wonka and the Golden Ticket, isn't it's, it? It's, it's, yeah, maybe a bit before some of our listeners, but the last Buzz Lightyear was, like, people were paying 500 quid for the last Buzz Lightyear, the Christmas Toy Story came yeah. out. Yeah. It wasn't worth any more, it was just... There was only one. That's exactly yeah, right. Right, okay. And another, another way to categorise it as well is called cost push. And this is where the cost of manufacturing or supplying something increases. So we've got a big shortage on lorry drivers at the moment, which means you've got to pay lorry drivers a lot more money, which means shipping things from France to the UK comes with higher wage costs. The price of fuel's increased. So by the time it arrives in your hands, you've got all this extra expense that you've got to pay for. So it's not that the haulage company is making more money necessarily, they might be, but it's in theory all they've done is their costs have gone up 50%, that has, they, they've passed that on. Exactly right. As any normal business would. Exactly. Businesses can't just keep absorbing cost increases. Which we'll come on to later actually. Right, okay then. And, the, and what's the third type then? Uh, built-in, built-in inflation. So every year, uh, you would expect that you would get a pay rise along the lines of whatever the, the government publishes the inflation rate because that's the cost of living. So things that are expected to increase every year is what we would call building. Also, it's just the, you expect your phone bill is going to go 5-10% every year. And in fact, when Two. you sign up for anything now, they tell you it's going to, don't they? Yeah, it's so, built in. So 
Yeah, there, there is just like a, and is that just momentum then? Is it just, well, we think there's going to be, so we'll build it in now? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people can predict what's going to happen. So you're going to take on more people, you want to grow your team. The cost of their living is going to increase, so you've got to factor in a bit of that into your cost of paying them. So these things are just built in. I'll, I'll just keep referring to that because it's nice and simple. Because it's built in. Yeah. It's built in. So yeah, that was Nick talking about inflation. Um, my next pick was episode 38, and the, the episode was titled Changing Lanes, and it was from Alfie Joey. So Alfie Joey, Radio Newcastle. Um, you know, this, this is when the, the podcast really hit the big the big team. The big this, is, this is with our proper guests on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Nick and and Craig and everyone else, but yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so Alfie came on just as he was about to announce that he was leaving BBC yeah, was after a, many a scoop. years. It was yeah, an official came, scoop. Wasn't he gave it? us a scoop. Unfortunately, he announced it live before we got the episode out. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty rude of him. But, you yeah, know, so, so you, you wouldn't have killed him to wait a bit. But what he so basically the first five minutes or so of this episode, um, it, it, it references a TED talk that Alfie did, what must be nearly four years ago now, which was I thought was fantastic, and it was all about how basically he has changed lanes quite a lot, mm -hmm. and he was speaking to us as he was about to change lanes again to do something totally different. Um, you know, as we speak now, yesterday, the day before yesterday, maybe I went to the Panto to see him in Panto. Oh no, you didn't. Oh yes, I did. Um, and he never could have done that as a as a you know Radio Newcastle morning show presenter. He just didn't physically have the time, so he's doing that complete mm -hmm. change, totally different um, you know thing. But just these first five minutes is just full of positivity, you know, stressing people that I should go for it and give mm -hmm. things a go. So it's, if you're really struggling, you know, this first five minutes is where to start. It's, yeah, it's fascinating, and, and and the fact that we had that insight into his own mind and what was going on in his life at that point is just even more kind of yeah yeah he was amazing he, he was, was practicing what he as he was living he was, was, he was doing what he it said. was like almost he was explaining what his own thought process was yeah. which is fascinating with yeah. that kind of meta inside knowledge of, of the episode which is awesome yeah that was a great episode and um i hope you enjoy it so that was episode 38 but here is the first five minutes or so now of alfie joey and the reason I asked you here, Alfie, is three years ago you did a, a TEDx talk in Newcastle on changing yeah. lanes. Is, can you just give people a, like a, a 60 second summary yeah. of what, what we mean by that? So basically I realised every 10 years I'd change jobs or roles quite, quite massively, quite big. Quite diverse yeah, as well. Yeah. It wasn't like you waited tables then became a no, chef. It was, no, it was, it was a big jump each time. And... And it was a heart and mouth situation. It was a risk each time. Um, but each time I did it, it was worth it. And it was a risk, but it was a big jump, but I did it. And I often think if I hadn't, I probably wouldn't have been as happy. I'd have been stuck. And that's why I call that talk changing lanes because yeah. everybody hates the middle lane driver. You know, you can cope with the slow driver because that's their choice. The fast driver knows where they want to be. The middle lane driver is the one who's hesitant who's not doesn't know whether they want to be slow doesn't know whether they want, and they get stuck yeah. and they hold everybody else up and they, they annoy you a bit and we've all got a friend who we know complains about their job every day yes. and has done for 25 Absolutely. years and you go you've got so much potential you yeah. know you can go and take that next step you can do it but sometimes people settle for that if it's your choice and you're happy fine but if you're not happy ask yourself why 
and take some steps and I bet you can change lanes and yeah. I'm, I'm doing it myself again. Because you, you, you very kindly at the end of that talk said if you haven't got someone you can talk yeah. to who will help you talk through this mm. change, you know, reach out. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, people did, did, you know. Did anyone actually? They, right, did. Okay. they did. In fact, as soon as I came out of the <coughs> talk, somebody uh, followed me and uh, said, can I have a cup of tea with you now? And I literally, that very day after that talk, um, sat down with the guy for an hour. So you hit, hit home straight absolutely, away. Absolutely, yeah. and, and I mean it. However, so he's now, I, he's now a striker he, for he, Spurs. He's outside <laughs> now, he follows me everywhere. Oh. No. <laughs> so basically, I, I made that pledge, <clears throat> knowing that most people in their lives do have a positive voice. I said, listen to the positive voices, the yeah. teacher, the, the motivator, the, the person who, who gives you that shot in the arm. Yeah. There's always somebody like that. Very often there's somebody who's negative and goes, you don't want to do that. Just do, who do you think yeah. you are? Keep, keep your head down. Yeah, just, why, just, why would you want to do that? Don't listen to them. Listen to the positive voices. Yeah. And those are the, the people that I, I sometimes take the place of, but I'm more than happy to leave it to them because I think we've all got a lot of them in our lives just tuning into those people. It's interesting because you mentioned, um, obviously as any good media person would do, they do research and you mentioned yep. you'd listened to a part of the self-sabotage episode. Did, yeah, yeah. So what you're actually saying is, recognise them, but within those voices, there is another voice there saying, go on, give it a go. Yeah. And do you yeah. find just most people just ignore that then? Or? I think a lot of people do. I think there's a lot of people just settle for for mediocrity, even... Not, not in a, I'm not being rude, mediocrity can sometimes be Not that they are mediocre, enough. but yes, yeah. Yes, they're not mediocre, they yeah. go, that'll do, that'll yeah. do. Why not take it to the next level? Because yeah. that feels so much better. I've, I've found that even with, with the radio shows I've done and with, with comedy gigs I've done and with plays I've done, there will be people who say, well, that'll do, that's enough. Yeah. That's enough, that's enough rehearsal, isn't it? Why not make it really good? Because there's plenty of things you've done that would, petrify a lot of people and we'll probably come on to some of these things mm. um but it, it I, I love my cultural references and there's a great line in i think it's a george clooney film where he's going around um laying people off up in the air yeah. or something it's called yeah and, he, and he's saying to one guy he said how much did they pay you to give up on your dreams yeah he's on about where you've got the corporate job now you've got the house the mortgage the car how much did it cost to give up on your dreams and what you're kind of saying is well, obviously take an appropriate risk, but don't give up on your dreams. So that was Alfie Joey from episode 38 on changing lanes. Jack, what have you got next? So my next one, and of course, we, we have to talk about B Corp on this show, don't we? At least once. So Graham did a fantastic uh, podcast on B Corp episode 19, um, which was, was fascinating to listen to because it was at a time where my knowledge of B Corp probably wasn't where it is right now. Yeah. Obviously don't want to say that to you because we all should know about B Corp. <laughs> uh, it's been a learning process for everybody, hasn't yeah, it? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but there was a, seg a, a, a segment on there where he was talking about the how into having to align the um, the organisational's purpose with with its employees, essentially, uh, just in order to kind of move with the times. Because I think there's been a lot of change like within the generations, like my generation against the generation after me, against you. Obviously, we're... What am I, the generation after the generation after you, am I? <laughs> well, we're, not, we're, not, we're not direct contemporaries, <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you decide that. how many generations apart we are. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, all right, yeah. yeah. How okay. much younger I am, clearly. <laughs> yeah, oh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> but the point was in terms of the in terms of how the statistics are, are looking, as if as as younger people are, are entering the workplace, the the realities are that they're going to have more jobs. They're going to be moving. And going to change more. Exactly, yeah. and therefore the organisational the purpose of an organisation needs to be even clearer so it can align with people to ensure people basically stay on. And it, it, it comes back to another big topic coming into 2023 and has been um, this year as well, is, is staff retention. Yeah, so, yeah, much, yeah. so much of this stuff comes down to having this clarity of, of purpose that, and, and it comes back to arguably what Paul Cheaton was talking about in, in the first clip that, you, that we showed. About, we haven't showed that one yet. Are we not? That was Craig Smith. I'm oh, sorry. Paul Cheetah was coming up. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Whoops. Sorry. What Craig said. Yeah. Uh, my apologies. We can edit that out, can't we? No, it's not. <laughs> but yeah, no, about making sure you've got, you know. Mm -hmm. so, so Craig's was six questions your employees need to be able to answer mm -hmm. to, to show that they're aligned, that you're all pulling the same way, they're engaged, etc. Yeah. Exactly. And that ties in very much with the B Corp stuff as well. So it's really interesting. And you should really have clarity of everything, including who says what. Yeah. And don't get people mixed up. Like <laughs> yeah, basic, basic homework on a desktop. Um, it's also, you haven't seen this then, but I've also just done an episode with um, Catherine Rogers, which will be coming out, I don't know if it's before or after this, but it's, it's coming anyway, where we talked about um, making sure that your recruitment process captures the spirit of the business to make sure you pull people in who believe mm -hmm. the same thing, etc., etc. So the they all link quite well. Plus, of course, you talked about this in your webinar last week as well, which we can also put the link into, um, about how important it is to make sure that you keep good people and attract the right people as well. Absolutely, yeah. So this is... This is Graham, Purvis, Graham episode, Purvis, episode 19. It's not just about turning up at work anymore, is it? Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I think, yeah, I mean, you, you can read all around this stuff about how, you know, a certain generation will not, like, me, maybe it's new to a lesser extent because you're a little bit younger, but you're, you're stuck, you're stuck in, in your lifetime, you'll do two or three or maybe four jobs. Whereas I think now it sounds like, again, that the, the younger generation will maybe, you know, double, have double that number yeah. of jobs. Yeah. And it's about, it's about, you know, aligning, aligning the organisational purpose. So the purpose, why Robson Laidler exists, and if you can align that with individuals, their individual, an individual's own purpose, then I think that's where you really have some traction. So that was Graham on B Corps from episode nineteen. Um, my next one then is um, so the episode overall is, is 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 a good watch. It's episode twenty five. Helen Ingham, who is a voice coach, she teaches voice confidence, those types of things, and. The whole thing's worth a watch if you've ever felt imposter syndrome when you're having to speak in front of people or present mm -hmm. or any of those things. But do we, a podcast. Yeah, do a <laughs> podcast or anything like that. Make sure your teeth are in. Um, but also on a basic level, she talked about, and, and, and this is something I like because I think you can apply this to almost anything, but she gives a cracking example of how you can take small steps to make big gains mm -hmm. through repetition. And she has a couple of minutes where she talks about um, basic confidence building by doing something that that you can already pretty much do but just tweaking it slightly 
So mm -hmm. if you're uncomfortable approaching someone and speaking out or, 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 or talking in front of people generally, why not take an action that you do regularly, like ordering a coffee? And then just the next time you order coffee, do it a slightly different way. Mm -hmm. Take that deeper breath, put the shoulders back and, and, and you know, speak it more clearly, louder. Try mm -hmm. not to rush it. Practice on something that makes no difference. Exactly. Just build those little simple wins and, and take it from there, you know. And I love that idea of just ticking off the little bits and building it's, it gradually. It's a no-lose, sorry, it's a, a no-lose situation in that yeah. one where you What's order the worst that happens? They ask you, what, what did you say? Yeah, like, <laughs> but, in, oh, but on the flip side, it's like, wow, that person was really confident. Yeah, yeah, which, which and, isn't a bad thing, yeah. No, definitely not. And communication is such an important thing. And I think it's the, the split is 80-20 in terms of in terms of your communication. What, what you say versus how you say, is that, is that what you hear? Yeah, it's the, the kind of the body language as, as opposed to what the words that you say. So that's how we largely communicate through like non-verbal. But obviously the 20% is still the yeah. most obvious 20%, but still I think everything else goes like, if if you're seen to, if you stand confidently, you look like you're, you've got the correct posture and Eye stuff. Contact, Eye contact, all those things, yeah. 100%, yeah. The, the voice generally follows after that. I, th I think this is something as well. So we, we, we've had loads of work experience people in, in Robsonhead over the years. And, and, and I think this is something that, I don't want to generalise, but I've certainly seen, um, we, used to, we used to have six form lasses in from Central High, and they were all super confident, able to you know look you in the eye, talk mm -hmm. openly and confidently, but they literally had exercises and sessions and and gatherings where they would invite local businesses around and, 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 and the sixth form students would basically host, for want of a better word, mm -hmm. local businesses. And, and they clearly knew the importance of being able to look someone in the eye and say what you want with a confident manner. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, it, it's a shame you don't see that more widely taught, I think, in schools. But yeah. if you, like me, you didn't get this in school, here are some, you know, Yes, some, some great tips from Helen Ingham on episode 25. Hope you enjoy. Say reading, reading something aloud, short phrases, but you're reading it, so again, you're not having to think of it, but yeah. you're altering how you say it. And the good thing there is, as long as you're reading simple text, you're not yeah. reading, you know, like Brian Cox on thermodynamics or something. No. Reading simple text, there's no cognitive load on the thing you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. So then you can put your attention onto varying how you're saying it um, and then from there you kind of move up to I mean I would kind of go from those just the sounds to the rote speech those days of the week months of the year reading something aloud then my favorite thing to practice is um, I'm a big fan of a cup of coffee so I know what my coffee order is that's not a great you haven't got to think, what got to think that, yeah. but I can try it out with somebody else and I can try it in a situation so I can... Do you mean literally ordering literally coffee in a coffee shop? Literally ordering coffee in a coffee shop, yeah. But using a this slightly... This can't go wrong either, can it? Well, no. It can't. You can, it's, it's very low risk. I, I imagine this is the kind of thing actors do if they've got to do an American accent. It's like, yeah. well, I'll just try ordering just coffee try in an American... American yeah, exactly. put the New York accent on and... See what happens. What's the worst that happens? Yeah, I know you might get it, the wrong coffee, but <laughs> which again, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's low. So, actually, that's interesting about practicing these things in a low risk, safe environment. Yeah, short bursts of conversation with strangers rarely are that important, are they? Yeah, yeah. So, it could be how you order your ticket on the bus, 
Exactly. Could be how you order your, your, your takeout over the phone. It could be... It could be how you greet person in reception in the morning and you might use the same phrase, but in a, feeling more confident, can you give it a try, yeah. you know? So... Because there's, there's the old saying in, in, in sales training as well about you can tell if the person on the phone is smiling. Yeah. And is, 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 that, is that true? Or do you think you could tell if you're listening to someone? Do you think you could pick up whether they were smiling? Or is it just that that smile portrays a confidence? Uh -huh. prepared for it. It's an interesting question. In my training as a speech and language therapist, we had to do, and especially with voice, um, trying to determine tongue position and mouth position and stuff just based on auditory cues. <laughs> Tricky, but yeah, you can. You can you can tell an awful lot from the sound of a voice, as we all do when we listen to the radio and we can't see anybody. Yeah. You know the impressions and what we kind of derive from that. It's always quite funny when we see photos of people on the radio and we realise we got it a bit wrong. Who, but um, who's that? Yeah, exactly. But yes, you can absolutely you can do that. But going back to the um, you know maybe using your voice in a coffee shop or the low risk examples, it gives the individual who's speaking a positive experience of those interactions. And so, you know, when we started at the beginning saying yeah. that why is it a problem and um, maybe people haven't had those positive experiences of speaking in front of strangers or in groups, we can build those positive experiences yeah. and those yeah. memories alongside also practicing that new motor muscle memory. Muscle so memory. the next time you're in a position where it, something needs to happen yeah you've got these experiences of these easy wins you've yeah. created your own playlist of successes exactly yeah um, you know yeah. what it feels like you can remember what it feels like yeah. so that was helen on how to get those easy wins and and build from them jack mm -hmm. who else have you got them so last one for me uh, and it's it was our business in, business of sport episode with mick hogan which uh, it was a rare treat to get someone in um, to talk about this stuff that you don't normally have to talk about sport at work and get paid for the privilege of doing it so that was always nice uh, for me it was just really fascinating to ask questions around the sustainability of sport it's ultimately it and I think Mick made the point was that it's it's like any other business and you're not just competing as a I think you use rugby union as an example you're not just competing against other rugby union teams for for supporters you're competing against basically the entire leisure industry on a, on a Saturday to get and people Any through. hobby or activity that mm -hmm. takes three hours out of your day, that's yeah. what you're competing against, aren't you? And, which, and, and in that case, it's one of the most competitive markets in the world. Like yeah. It's impossible to, it's so difficult to get any traction there. Uh, and ultimately, as I said, business, like sports businesses are still businesses fundamentally and they need to be sustainable. Uh, it was done at a time where, again, in the rugby union kind of sector, two of the biggest clubs uh, in the top league in, in, the, in England had just gone into administration uh, and it was just a very interesting to kind of get his raw reaction to, to that as well so it was a, a really interesting episode. Some great, great tips in there as well about you know if you're a small club some of the things you could do mm -hmm. and it's again it's about remembering it's you're, you're competing against everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I, did, I didn't think it was, you know, it was, it was, I'm not a massive sports fan, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of great tips in there, which to be honest, even if you couldn't care less about sport, you can apply a lot of those things at the business as well. Definitely. Because yeah. they are intricately linked, aren't they? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. So this is Mick Hogan from episode 
39. I should be able to remember that. It was a second ago he said it. Episode 39, they called <laughs> you I had to look down at my <laughs> notes as well. the business of sport. I suppose another question to talk about is um, the... I think we'll probably cover this a bit more in part two, but just kind of a little a teaser on this is just the sustainability of sport. And do you think... Because there's a lot of both football, rugby, there's a lot of rich people in the game that basically pump money in do you think that that is sustainable? Do you think that model is, we think we're in a position where that model could possibly change? Do you I've, think it's going to burst? I, I, I'm not sure it's going to burst. Um, I, I think it does need to change and it comes back to what I said earlier that clubs ultimately need to be uh, sustainable because if the owner or, or the group of owners walks out under a bus tomorrow, you know, the, the, the question is, could, could you make payroll at the end of the month? And, and mm -hmm. there are still professional sports clubs out there that couldn't do it. So. You know, when you, when you look at, I'll go back to rugby union, it, still the business model is find 12 or 13 rich individuals who can all support a club and keep them involved as long as we can, but ultimately at some point they will either run out of patience or run out of money. Um, and then hopefully we can get somebody else in um, behind them to, to pick that up. I think the good thing about sport is, and you've, you've definitely seen it with Premier League and you see it whenever there's a, a sale of a big club goes through, whilst a lot of them are built on debt and they lose money year on year ultimately they they gain in value you know at a rate faster than that debt is building up so i think the model for a lot of these individuals is yes i might lose one two five million a year but as long as the the value of the club is going up by two three ten million a year mm -hmm. then ultimately I've, i do have a get out at the end well, that, you've that, only got to get out if somebody's going to buy it. Well, I was going to say yeah. that does rely on then there being someone who will buy you out. Yeah. And if, because if, we, we, we saw it, I think, when Newcastle was bought, all of a sudden there was new rules brought in, you know, Man City and whoever the other club would kind of quite happily be in the richest clubs and not cared. And all of a sudden there was competition. All of a sudden start lobbying for, I don't know, amounts you can spend on things, yeah. and, you know, financial controls, etc. Which actually makes a club less attractive than yeah. to the very people who who wanted to buy the damn thing in yeah. the first place. So it's quite interesting that. Yeah, it's, it, look, it, there's lots of ways you can value a sports club. Yeah. Uh, some of it is built on what is the value of the of the league. You know, and you, you can see that with the, the league wide sponsorship deals that go on, particularly the broadcast deals that go on. Um, and ultimately, as I say, if if the if that value continues to grow and grow, then you know I think there is a bit of comfort in the fact that you're losing money year on year. But but to me, that is not a long-term sustainable model. And um, you you would want the organisation. Yeah, you might have the odd year where you lose a bit of money, but it's like any organisation. If you lose money one year, but you're making it in seven or eight of the other years, then overall you've you've got a viable yeah. business that's growing and 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 it's it's gaining in value. So. Uh, it's, it's a balance. So that was Mick Hogan on the business of sport. Um, I thought it was just worthy, worth just putting a couple of little special mentions in as well. Um, mm. we, we probably could have picked 20 clips to put in here. We didn't in, in the interest of not boring people silly. Um, but I think it's just, I, I would like to just mention one um, track that it was actually you and I we did it and it was about self-sabotage and it was episode 36. Um, so all of all of mine of kind of like mid twenties to mid thirties, we had. Mm -hmm. I think we had a pretty good run then. And I know we've still got yeah, a lot of good stuff or coming it, as well, but or it's a pretty good run. Or it, or there's an issue with your short term memory, something like that. Or, 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 or yes, <laughs> or maybe longer the ones term I've memory. Just don't have sunk in yet. 
Um, but the, 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 the saboteurs was a particularly interesting topic to me. And, I, mm -hmm. and I, I'm going to be honest, until about the week before that I, I, I wasn't aware of this work you were doing with, with some of the, the clients that you work with. And it was about identifying the different little saboteurs. And mm -hmm. I just keep thinking of these as the little red devils on your shoulder. Definitely. But that there's like, there's like a dozen of them, wasn't there? Or is it nine or 10, sort of? It's, there's 10 overall. Yeah. One plus nine accomplices. So there's, yeah, these little accomplices who kind of go, you're like, oh, why are you doing that? And like, mm -hmm. like, like, you know, putting self-doubt in your mind and all of those things, bringing mm -hmm. you down. And I just thought that was fascinating because as soon as you start to kind of get, you know, understand them even slightly, you see your own actions in these saboteurs. Mm. It's, it's so interesting. It's kind of a, a universal concept that it's, it's interesting because it's uh, the study, the studies behind it. And it, there are, um, obviously there's a book that goes alongside it, you know, and it, it, it's kind of within that business improvement space where you have a lot of other literature out there in terms of the nine X people, this is yeah the seven what, ghosts of Christmas past yeah. that yeah and what this is fundamentally different to is that it doesn't claim to be the definitive answer to everything and you need to ignore everything else it basically says this is something that is universal and can be used alongside any any other kind of theory not instead of yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and it and as you said, like it, it's so easy once you understand what the master saboteur is, the judge and the the nine accomplices. Like once you understand them, you can start to see the your stronger saboteurs coming out. And that's half the problem is half the self awareness of you you understanding. Hang on a second, stopping yourself and going, whoa, yeah, this this isn't me. This is my self sabotage. I like the cultural references, which mm -hmm. I don't that's really come out here. But there's an episode where you know in the Avengers where the Hulk says. My secret is I'm always angry. Mm -hmm. he's, he's actually in control of his anger, despite how everyone always thinks about the whole, don't make me angry. Mm -hmm. That's one of his saboteurs, isn't it? In, to use a comic book reference. <laughs> <laughs> Tenuous link there, I, I get. Um, but when you know what your weaknesses are, you, in theory, you can then adapt, mm -hmm. control, avoid those things, etc. Or just, et just identify when it's happening. and yeah. Maybe not beat you, yourself up yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah and like the let the rational side of your, your brain kind of take over and go, hang on a second, this isn't really, I'm not really like this, it's just my self-sabotage mm. jumping in. So it, it is really interesting and I'm, I'm looking forward to rolling more of that stuff out next year and also there's some more learning for me to do, which I'm really excited to get involved yeah. in. So this is Jack Spoor on self-sabotage. So yeah, the topic is self-sabotage and very briefly we've got nine different types of self-sabotage which we're going to talk about briefly today and they're controlled by the 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 the, the chief saboteur aren't they jack do you, want to, do you want to tell us who that is first and we'll start there yeah so the 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 master saboteur as it is is uh this persona called the judge and i'm sure everyone can resonate with with this persona it's it's the one that's kind of always in your head always Basically, it's where all of your self-doubt doubt comes from. It's the voice in your head telling you that you're not good enough and you've done stuff wrong and kind of reminds you of all of those mistakes you've made, you know. Um, the one that wakes you up in the middle of the night with that embarrassing story that happened in middle school and, and stuff like that. But it's the one that's constantly there and, and judging you and also judging others as well, um, comparing yourself against other people. Um, 
So that I'm sure that's someone something that everyone has experienced in their life at least once, but it's something that I certainly deal with quite a lot. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone's got those self-doubts, those, those those things that just drop into your mind from nowhere for no reason, and you're never quite sure why, but it's it's possible that it's the judge here, isn't it? It's just reminding you not to get too big for your boots, I suppose. Is that, is that what we're there? <laughs> just to keep, just keep pulling you back a little bit. But, but he doesn't work alone, does he? And it's not actually him who does the damage. Is that fair to say? No, he's he's almost the uh, he's the he's the puppet pulling the strings, and he basically pulls in his accomplices to, which you know, potentially that they see will do the most damage to you at yeah. any one moment. So these these nine nine accomplices are you know the ones that actually do the damage themselves. So yeah, that was that was that was our very own Jack on um, the the, the judge and his nine accomplices. He seemed who, to know what he was talking about. Didn't yeah, he? That was awesome. awesome yeah, <laughs> yeah, just roll the whole video at the end just for. Um, so Jack, have you got have you got a mention just worth throwing in there? Just what what one last one? Yeah, one so last we one have for just me. Just said our top four, really. But <laughs> no, we have to do it awkwardly, of course. Yeah. Uh, it was Paul cheating, and obviously it was in my mind, and that's when I started attributing him to other stuff. But uh, yeah, so Paul Cheaton's uh, episode on emotional intelligence, episode thirty-seven. Seven. Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of his, his last, his, his last final thought on that one, and it was about, um, in terms of, the biggest misconception behind. Um, staffing is telling them to leave their emotions at the door when yeah, in reality because what we do at the end of the episode is we say what's the thing that people in business keep getting mm -hmm. wrong and his yeah. was they keep telling their teams to leave their emotions at the mm -hmm. door yeah but which, which I thought was fantastic because yeah mm -hmm. you want you want leave that drama at the door yeah but you mm -hmm. still want passion and energy and Exactly. You want those things in the business don't that you? can't be fabricated yeah. easily at work. So you have to, yeah, you have to allow them to bring, to bring themselves, bring their authentic, authentic selves to the, to you know, to work ultimately. Yeah. And it's uh, really interesting because you're right. Like, I think a lot of the stuff I've done on motivation ties ties in with this as well in terms of like, your motivation is driven from within yourself and what you find, think is important. So you've got to draw within that in your working life as well. Yeah. Like ultimately, if you want to make a difference, you know that that doesn't come from your job title or you know the work that you do. It comes from something deeper than that. Mm. So something that really resonated with me, and I'm, I've kind of lent into it more. I think at work, rather than trying to be inauthentic, you've got to be about authentic self and bring your natural energy with you. Good. Love it. So this is Paul Cheatham from episode 37, Emotional Intelligence, about not leaving emotions at the door. Bring your emotions with you. Paul, we normally ask, we, we, we don't always, but try and ask with just, what's the, what's the one thing in this area that people are just getting wrong all the time? Just mm. as a, like a little takeaway. Yeah. Um, leave your emotions at the door when you come into work. And I think that's just. So you're not, you're, not, you're not saying that as guidance. You're saying that's saying, the thing. That's, that's the wrong. worst. That's the that's worst wrong, thing yeah. people can think. Or you know, leave your personal troubles at home. Leave your emotions at home. You know, it's not. You know, when say people bring their emotions. You know, um, uh, Brené Brown, I think, said, "When you numb one emotion, you numb them all." So people need their emotion for to the drive to get the job done, course, to be creative, yeah. to work with other people and collaborate. Emotions are needed for those. Uh, and if you come in and you and you go, my boss won't allow any emotions, then how do they know 
like how that job's going. I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. You can't just switch your emotions off. You need your emotions. It's a drawbridge. It's like, is it up? You know, and you can have it like maybe slightly up or down, but like mm-hmm. that sense. If you try to numb one, because you couldn't yeah. passionately do anything if you weren't emotional, could you? No, and, and no. Definitely not. It's as simple as that. So that was Paul and that was our final clip for you today. So hope you've enjoyed those clips. Each one of those episodes is worth a watch. There are also, like I said, there's too too many episodes there to kind of mention really. Mm. Obviously we're hoping to keep doing these right the way through. So we'll be sitting giving you another lowdown on the, you know, the, the best parts of the podcast by the end of next year. Jack, any thoughts on I'm, I'm just really. I'm just really excited for going into next year. We've got some really exciting people already in the pipeline that we're, we're looking forward to uh, bringing on board. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great year, I think. Great year for podcasts, or generally? Well, everything. Or both. Well, is there anything beyond podcasting? That's an important question. Well, well exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Jack. As always, thanks for being there. Uh, Swofton, my wingman on the podcast as well. It's always, Wing. always a great help. Um, I hope you've enjoyed that. Let us know in the comments what your favourite parts were. Was it one of the ones we pulled out? Was it something else? Is there someone you want to see on next year? We're happy to take um, introductions to people to have on the podcast. Yeah, we'll take Stephen Barley if, if, if needed. Yeah, I mean, if he's struggling, if, he, if, um, if he gets sick of interviewing <laughs> Branson and you know, Quentin Tarantino and people like that, then yeah. yeah, absolutely get him along on our show. But until then, we hope you have a good festive break, whatever you're doing with it and that you can jump into 2023 energised and get what you want from it. Absolutely, yeah. Very eloquently put. I stole it from your <laughs> webinar the other day, basically. So. <laughs> you watched it. That's it, I watched it a lot. Thank you very much.